0: Here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> SAFM, one oh five point three FM in Uppington. So you obviously heard my conversation with the spokesperson of basic education. One of the things I asked him was, what's the long term plan? And he spoke about, you know, reliance on places like the broadcaster, which came um, to the party last year, radio stations, television stations. And my question to him was, well, how effective was that? He said about 30 percent effective. So the question we all have to ask ourselves is in light of what we know and what we know is this. We don't have a vaccine. We do not know how long this virus is going to be around for. We actually are not very clear about our future. And so one has to ask the question, what then becomes the future of education? So Professor Mikey Janjis co-published an article entitled how south africans can prepare for a data driven education system i'm very interested in knowing how we're going to do that and part of the reason i want to know is we also know that data is an issue we know that uh, communities in some rural areas really struggle with network and so on devices are a problem and all of those things so she brings all of these things to the fore and uh, that's the conversation i want to have she joins me now on the line prof thank you so much for making the time to talk to us good afternoon Good afternoon and thank you so much for having me. So then what is hindering the current uh, status of South Africans adopting a data-driven education? What what's what's stopping all of us from leaping forward to that to that status?
1: Thank you so much. I think if we look at the South African education system, we have um, our higher education and we have our basic education. And we know that um, our basic education historically has faced um, several challenges. And that is why um, the government decided to cluster schools um, from quintile 1 up to quintile 5. And we look at quintile 1, our schools which are often in in low-income areas, in rural and remote areas, quintile five, would more likely be schools in high-income areas. And you see how um, it means that the children coming to the various schools across the quintiles will be coming from um, different financial contexts on what their parents are able to afford in a school context. So with this in light, um, we have seen um, the commitment um, from the government perspective introducing um, the computer labs in different schools um, across the different quintiles, introducing teacher training initiatives um, that look at how teachers can start embedding some form of technology within a teaching and learning context. And we've also seen the rise of um, technology which is customized to support the South African context. And, And I'll give an example for this um, the, the statistics essay household um, results always reflect that a young South African is more likely to have access to a mobile phone in comparison to a laptop. Mm. And so we see that a lot of technology interventions are often geared towards the cell phone and largely looking at how we can um, look at low cost so that one that doesn't require a lot of data. Yes. Um, so in that sense, Catering to um, learners who will be coming from different financial contexts within that. So, we see um, several challenges, but at the same time, several gains that have been made um, across schools um, from supporting um, the administration side as well as the teaching and learning perspective within schools.
0: What we also know um, is that while we may have a lot of things that we are really trying to do from a technology point of view, we also have a community and citizens that are actually ill-disciplined. So I'm trying to see how much of this technology will be adapted um, by the young learners who will be left to their own devices and vices on their own at home to adopt learning.
1: I think from um, a technology perspective, we need to look at technology as not necessarily replacing um, the teacher and the Mm -hmm. role of the teacher Mm -hmm. within the teaching context, but more as how do we leverage off technology considering um, the challenges that we face on on, on, um, resource shortage. How do we leverage off technology? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you practical examples of this. Um, with um, data-driven systems. And when I mean data-driven systems, I mean systems that are able to provide us with an overview of a learning context. So, for example, if there's a child in a particular area who doesn't come to school on a regular basis and their performance is low, which systems do we have in place that allow us to monitor um, the school performance, the children attendance, the children performance across subject areas, over a certain number of years to see whether um, the interventions from an administrative side are actually effective. Now, from a teaching and learning perspective, we then look at technology more from a perspective of saying that beyond classroom learning, how do we leverage on technology? Even within classroom learning, how do we leverage on technology to look at a more blended learning approach now obviously in in an ideal situation where data is not expensive which child has um, internet at home where there's computers where there's laptops, you can start looking at a purely online context because this child has is, is able to afford within the home context and probably stays at home with people who have some computer literacy and data literacy who can help a child with online learning context. But we have to be realistic about the context that we face in South Africa. We have many different disparities. And we saw this um, with the lockdown where um, children in underprivileged communities were solely relying on radio and television, which was partly repurposed. Um, to support the teaching and learning. And it was not always effective in that sense. And the reason why technology, um, radio and TV was repurposed was because many children do not have the required resources to be able to access the online learning. So technology has that benefit as... um, an an enabler Mm -hmm. that we should leverage off, not necessarily replacing the context of teaching and learning within the classroom.
0: What then will it require for us to also upskill the educator, so those who then also have that um, responsibility, the teachers themselves, to also come on board with this technology? I think what speaking about the teachers is is
1: very vital. Um, I think teachers play such a critical role um, within the classroom context Um, and it it, it really requires us to look at teacher training right from um, their qualifications because if you look at many of the teachers who are um, already within the system, many of them didn't have the opportunity of going to a university which um, had a learning management system which they could learn with the Internet, and so they're not necessarily um, digital natives. They would be what we would term as um, digital immigrants. So we need to understand that as a digital immigrant, um, it can be really overwhelming. And you know, you've got your challenges within the classroom context um, already. Um, So continuous training for teachers to support them And if a school does have computer labs and technology, we need to provide that technical support within the school um, because we've seen in schools um, that move towards more data-driven, and when I say data-driven, as explained earlier, is then looking at issues such as administrative data to make much more informed decisions based on the data being captured on the education technology systems there. We see that then you can tailor interventions for school based on the data that's actually coming out from that to school. So we need to, in essence, keep on holding the hands of the teacher and the teacher training support, continuous teacher training support, and assuring their confidence in supporting them. And this should not be a one-way stream of just um, coming into the classroom and imposing. I think it should be a, a co-design perspective, because the teacher would be able to explain to you that, hang on, this technology would not um, work within Mm. this context Mm. because security reasons, for Mm. example. Mm. You know, if within this context, um, it's a very low income area, um, and um, this high-end um, technology comes within the context, it probably won't be the best within the mm-hmm. context. So we need a buy-in from the community, from the teachers, where they co-design, because at the end of the day, technology use within schools um, has a ripple effect that by the time these children leave schools, they're ready for the digital world that we live in. So they've gained that skill within the school. From an administrative perspective, it becomes easier for the Department of Basic Education to be able to monitor the performance of the schools and Comes, And when we look at much more advanced technologies, you can then tailor, if a child likes looking at videos, then being able to use that data to prescribe the relevant videos for a specific topic area Mm. that the child would be looking at. Mm. Um, So we can leverage off the technology, but we need to understand that as South Africa um, has so many disparities and we're largely unequal society A one-size-fits-all blanket approach yes. doesn't always work.
0: Excellent point. Let me go to Justice who's calling us from Bulukwani. Justice, good afternoon.
2: Yeah, Good afternoon, Emelo. How are you? I'm
0: um, well. Thanks for calling, Justice.
2: I'm good. I'm good. And I agree that we are a society that is not equal. Mm. But I just want to weigh in on the issue of uh, the payment of the private school. I think as parents, we, we tend to, to be on a, a side without... Actually, coming up with a solution that will basically have the teachers that we are expecting them to be behind class and giving our kids a lesson. I think there is a, a very humble opportunity for us as parents with regard to the COVID-19. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise to say, let's have one. Let's think out of the box. What is it that we can do as parents? There are parents that are qualified teachers at home that are doing nothing, we can form up uh, the NGOs and start an e-learning where we can provide an education to a, a whole lot of learners in our village, in our different area, through a very collective, innovative way. Other than waiting and blaming the Department of Education, saying we are not going to pay the administration fees for the private school, when those private schools are opening, there are resources that are needed that need to be applied to our learners, where will the school be able to buy those resources within a short period of time? I think we as the parents, we must regard ourselves as teachers at home, and we make sure that we, we, we allocate time for our kids, we sit down with them, we teach them something. When they go back to classes, they will continue and say, our parents left us here, and this is way we can continue, other than coming with a blaming culture most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think we must come up with a solution because this time, it is not time to blame, it is time for solution.
0: Thanks for that, Justice. And to you, Prof, I suppose, uh, in addition to what Justice is making, his point is is that it is a collaborative effort. And I think one of the things that you highlight is that you cannot only have, you know, one ministry worry about education in a single-minded way. All of the stakeholders have to be a part of the solution. And unless we are able to do that, really, we may as well just close the subject up.
1: I totally agree. Um, and I think something that, uh, uh, just leaning onto something important that he raises mm. within every crisis, there's also an opportunity. Um, for example, in this sense, we need to start thinking about e-learning centers Mm. that can enable children to be able to learn if they're not in formal um, learning Mm. context. And indeed, one of the things that we mentioned within our article is the importance of thinking about technology in education as not necessarily a responsibility for just one ministry. Um, For um, the sustainability of it, Um, Number two, for um, the governance of data. Uh, So the data that is also coming out from the technology systems that are going into schools, um, we need a regulation and a governance structure, which needs to then be uh, co-designed. I mean, we have excellent um, policies already in place of the South African context on the protection of uh, Personal Information Act. We have the recently um, released um, report from the Fourth Industrial Revolution Commission Um, which speaks to the issues of data uh, to say that if my data has been um, taken and and, and products are then being developed Mm -hmm. to support my education, do I know what happens to my data? Mm -hmm. Um, So you see that we then need um, ministries to be sitting around the table to say, if we're going to introduce technology of this level or monitor um, on this perspective, then what is the perspective of sustainability um, in terms of for example, computer labs in schools. Mm. Um, what is the financial implications of data-driven systems within our education? So it stems. Um, re- really moves beyond just the basic education and higher education to then more looking at a holistic approach, which is co-designed to ensure sustainability of the technology and then to also ensure an impact um, beyond um, just us and for the children to come. It,
0: it, it. I mean it's ideal, but I mean when we look around us, you know ministries don't work together very well in this country. we just don't. Um, you know you have the basic education ministry not necessarily talking to the energy ministry for argument's sake about whether there'll be electricity security and so on for us to be able to carry this out. So it, it's going to be tough for us to get everybody to come on onto, onto the party. I think one of the the things that we we, we recommended um, within um, the article leading to
1: the policy guide uh, linked to the article was that importance of um, ensuring um, the adoption of these technologies across ministries. Mm. Um, We have actually been seeing... Um, uh, um, cross-cutting interventions that are not just for basic education. I'll give you a simple example of of interventions where um, some of the funding was not coming from basic education um, on uh, training more data scientists Training people who have uh, programming um, uh, qualifications, so taking young children who don't have qualifications and reskilling them or skilling them mm-hmm. to the technology-driven um, skills. We've seen funding not necessarily coming from the Department of Basic Education, mm-hmm. but coming from other ministries to actually support it. We could, however, see more. Um, so these partnerships um, is. That come, especially with technology support within schools, I think they're very, very important. and I think the partnerships also moving beyond intergovernment to also including private public partnerships yes. um, uh, because um, government won't always have money to fund these. however, they will have the policy, they will have the plans in place. and how do we then look at the private public partnerships? and including the society, and parents, because society, parents, teachers are key stakeholders in the success of any technology within schools. So, so I think we should never leave the, the society in place, whether it means the society in terms of educating them about these technologies and how they see the role of these technologies within the society, within these schools. I think that is much more sustainable approach to it. it
0: the, the argument around the private public uh, partnerships, how, how well is that going down? Because often, for instance, is in rural settings where there just aren't enough commercial numbers for a public, for a private company to make any gains, How, how well is that uptake there?
1: I think that's a very important conversation. Um, if I let, let's just take a step back. If we look at when we all had to shut down, mm-hmm. we saw telecommunication companies zero rating educational sites. Mm-hmm. That's a public private partnership yes. that is was a very good example. Um and I and, mm-hmm. and my perspective is that we don't have to wait for another crisis. Yes sustain those sort of decisions, right? Mm -hmm. As much as the value chain of zero rating has large implications, um, I think we need to be having those sustained conversations. And I think we've learned from the crisis on the power of public-private partnerships, where in education, we saw those organizations stepping up. We saw um, for example, in higher education, laptops being sent to the most rural and remote areas where children were receiving Mm -hmm. data on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. They were receiving Laptops on uh, laptops to sustain their learning, something which we had never done before, Mm. and so it was a learning curve. It wasn't perfect. Um, We were not, I think, from basic education perspective, um, we could see that we were not able to reach every child. Although in basic education there were no laptops delivered in that sense, but I think um, from from the public-private partnerships that were actually made at that time, we saw the possibilities on um, if we all come together to have a a sustained vision. on the policies that we put together on wanting to see technology within these schools, what could actually happen? What were the possibilities in that perspective?
0: Let me take a quick break. I'll be back with more and i also take some of your voice notes as well as uh, telephone calls for your comments on this conversation. Here, there and everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> S-A-F-M. SAFM 106.1 FM. In Bombela.
2: Hi, Pamela. Technology is an aid and it's not an answer. A lot of the things your guest is talking about are not being implemented in their basic state. Like the teachers are not doing their jobs. Technology won't help them. If you're doing your job and maybe are overwhelmed then technology can take that burden off and then you can focus on different aspects of education. But if you're not doing your job from the get-go, technology will not help you.
0: So that's, that's maybe coming back to that question we were talking about around how do we assist educators to be better skilled or to come to the party. We talk about these partnerships and this is one of those, um, Professor Genji's. Indeed. And I think um,
1: the voice note highlights um, certain perspective, as, as I was emphasizing that mm. technology is an enabler. Mm. So technology doesn't come in and, and bring, yeah. no, it doesn't. Yeah. It's an enabler within a context. However, you cannot use something that you don't understand on the power of what it is able to do within a classroom context. Mm. Right. And I think um, we've, we've, had interventions within school and I'll just give you an example we we were teaching children how to use technology within a classroom uh, for their own learning Mm -hmm. but in essence empowering children to say the internet is full of uh, both good and bad and this is how you can use it for the good related to your education Mm -hmm. and there was a early and quick adoption from the young children. And then we realized that it's very important to actually be empowering the teachers to have a sustained approach to it. And it wasn't as quick with the teachers. However, there was enthusiasm from mm. their perspective. Mm. And largely because they are not digital natives, mm. they're digital immigrants. Mm. And so an intervention which is once-off is not going to assist. So we need to separate this conversation from this teaching in a classroom and this technology in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Technology doesn't teach. The teacher teaches, right? Mm. And so if we're going to have a conversation about teaching issues, that's a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. If we're going to have a conversation about technology integration within the classroom context, that's a separate um, conversation. So indeed, one 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 of the things that we advocate for in the article is relooking education and ensuring that Um, we then have a sustained approach of not just teachers who are already in service but the ones who are coming in who are probably better digital natives because many of them are going through universities that have um, technology um, supported learning and so by the time they finish university they are ready for the context of schools with technology and we've seen um, a higher adoption with the younger teachers but we've seen quite a lot of enthusiasm from the older teachers so I think when we come to the conversation about technology and education, we need to separate issues related to teaching and learning and issues related to the technology as an enabler, which helps us leverage and not replace the role of a teacher within a classroom context. In an ideal situation where you have children who have um, the technologies that are required to sus- to help sustain Um, a learning context within the home context, then learners can be independent enough to be able to learn alone as digital natives with um, learning management systems that can aid that. But we don't necessarily have an ideal situation um, because of historic issues that we face across the country. So we need to separate those two issues from teaching and education technology, where technology comes in within the classroom context to support the teaching and learning perspective.
0: I am inclined to say to you, can we have a conversation around attitudes? Because you've you've highlighted something quite a beautiful saying that there was enthusiasm. The uptake was not that easy or that fast, but there was enthusiasm. And I want to pick up on that because I'm also wary of of writing off. And, you know, shutting out the experienced teacher, because of course we don't have a perfect system, but there are those who, yes, are not savvy technologically, but are experienced teachers. And I've seen some wonderful examples in my own personal life where the classroom is happening online and the actual teacher, you know, is stuck and Mm -hmm. the kids would say, Um, sir, you click that button and then that's how you mute yourself. And the minute the teacher is willing to take that kind of advice, it makes for better learning. Indeed, I I agree. Um, And I think we've seen, um,
1: even with our own experience of of working, from, from my experience of working within the community on doing different teacher training initiatives, you see the perspectives on teachers' um, attitudes differ from one place to the other. In certain contexts, in one of the studies we had previously done, um, some of the teachers felt like technology was extra work, mm. um, and so necessarily they wouldn't necessarily see it as um, An resources and tool, yeah. yes, yeah. or resource and tool that you can take out and say, okay, this is where I can use this tool. This is where I can use that tool. This is such as a pen. You know, this, I use, I, I need a pen to be able to write. There, mm. this, this app could be helpful tests, that app could be helpful within this context. So we've seen a variation of teachers where some teachers felt like, actually, you're bringing me more work. (laughs) I just want to teach from a traditional perspective. But that being said, um, equally, I've seen teachers who are not digital um, immigrants, who are digital immigrants, Mm -hmm. who um, had a positive attitude towards that. So there are differences in perspectives um, from teachers, um, even with the younger teachers, Who may feel that technology adds a certain um, layer of a burden within that. And that is why um, when we integrate technology um, within a school, from a basic perspective, Mm -hmm. we need to understand the importance of sustained support within Mm -hmm. that school Mm -hmm. so that at any point, teachers should never feel that it's a burden. Mm -hmm. And I say this because um, in any organization, when technology is introduced, you also introduce a unit Mm -hmm. that is going to be there to technically support. You call technical services, right? Mm -hmm. But when we go to school, we don't necessarily Mm -hmm. always create those spaces Mm -hmm. for teachers. There can be a technical support, but it may be sitting some way in another city, which is not always easy. But you know, when we come to education, we don't always consider Mm. the adoption perspectives related to that. And when it comes to technology integration in any organization, if adoption, you don't consider Mm. people's perceived perspectives. Mm. The perceived perspective that this later on then becomes a burden, um, it will form a challenge for the teacher. They will have an attitude towards Mm. that. So we need to have a holistic conversation look at what has worked what has not worked with our technology implementation and learn from it because we're not starting from a clean slate mm. we've had many projects within South Africa we've introduced technology whether it's mobile whether it's laptop whether it's you know low end whether it's high-end type of technology. But if we are to move towards a data-driven technology perspective where one day a child would be logging onto a system and they would say, you know, based on the data that we found, you really like listening to videos. Here's a science video. Based on the performance of your last test, you didn't do very well on your physics lesson. Here's a lesson that you can use to prepare. And oh, by the way, your class tomorrow will be in block whatever. Make sure you're on time. You know, so such advanced data-driven systems that are actually being developed Mm -hmm. and um, are starting to be used in private schools, are starting to be used in higher education, when we prepare for that, not just from a policy perspective, um, we need to make sure that we look at it from a holistic approach Mm -hmm. that we co-design considering where we come from and what has worked and what has not worked.
0: I, I absolutely love what you've just said because it's just given me this, you know this less judgment approach on teachers. Uh, many of us, I think, are so judgmental. Um, but as you think about it, you know, in any company, uh, when something doesn't go right, you just pick up the phone and call IT. You know, somebody comes and fixes it. You don't feel like you're on your own, whereas teachers often do feel on the, like they're on their own. That support is not granted. So I think that is such an eye-opener. Thank you for this uh, conversation. Um, the, we will post the, 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 the article so that people can have a read. Thank you for all these perspectives Professor Mikey Janchis, who's associate professor at the Department of I uh, information systems in the Western University of the Western Cape appreciate that that brings us thank to you two so two much o- thank you two o'clock now let's go to Zoleka Kardashi for the latest in SABC News